This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday and that means it's time for our Zoomer Squad. On the political side, Justin Trudeau will unveil his new cabinet on Wednesday, so we'll hear about the priorities that affect our demographic. And there are local issues crucial to Zoomers that we will be dealing with in depth later on in the show. But basically, it's the question of the patchwork of sidewalk snow removal in what was the old city of Toronto, and also a new proposal for Vision Zero enforcement. Is this the thing that will finally move the needle and alleviate some of the carnage, stop some of the deaths of pedestrians and cyclists and and other vulnerable uh, road users? Also, as Jeremy mentioned, a Zoomer icon is celebrating a birthday today. And as author Margaret Atwood turns 80, she is more relevant, more famous and more prolific than ever. I think a great example for all of us. So now I'd like to welcome Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media, and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. So let's start with happy birthday, Margaret. Please don't sing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, is, Is she just, you know, a force of nature and an example to us all, David? I think so, because she's still writing. She's still busy. She has described it herself as saying, when you're self-employed, she used that phrase in one interview, why would you ever stop? It's really up to you. But I think it's not just that she's still at it. If you just look at the range of subjects that she writes about and gets into and her nonstop curiosity, you know, you got crime, you have science fiction, you have character, you have politics, you have finance. It just seems that she will, she has this mind that will tackle anything and everything and just keep doing it. And it's really amazing. Peter, was she just kind of lucky with timing? They happened to be shooting a TV version of The Handmaid's Tale uh, uh, as Donald Trump was elected. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people are making that uh, connection. Yeah, well, well, she even said, she said, I, I think she told Time, she said, I'm having a moment. And no one could have predicted this. You it's know? lasting a lot longer than a yeah. moment, I'd no. say. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we, we studied her in, in high school, and um, that was many years ago. And uh, one would have thought her moment was past then. But, but you know, now, you know, uh, I, I don't know how many years I'm from high school, maybe 40 years. She's, um, she's twice as popular as she ever was. And, uh, and like she says, no one could have predicted that. Yeah, and this year uh, she won the Booker Prize yeah. for the second time for her new novel, which is a sequel to Handmaid's Tale. She has this hit television show. She's frankly, I mean, you said it at the beginning, at the height of her career, and she's 80, she's still going strong, you know. And, um, you know, if you even consider just the sheer size of her work, I mean, she's written dozens of of, of novels, fiction, nonfiction. Poetry books, uh, sh- short I think she's stories, on a new book children's of books. 
there's just a, a documentary that that came out about her that we featured on Zoomer Week in Review the other week. Uh, I mean, you know, you can't even say she's a light bloomer because because she's been well. I think in it's the game. I think it's 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 fifty years since uh, the first novel. I think um, in that range. So she's been publishing at the top of her game for for half a century. Mm-hmm. She was a poet. A uh, very established poet, successful before she became a novelist, and then you know the novels come out, uh, and then the divergence of theme, you know, crime, a graphic novel, uh, um, speculative fiction, sci-fi. Uh, she touches everything. Yeah, and but I th- I think her her real métier is this dystopia. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's called the prophet of dystopia. Yeah. But, but she has to yeah. bring a lot into that to make yeah. it realistic, yeah. too, because but, it's yeah. not all speculative. And the other thing is, is I mean, all generations read her work. Yeah. She speaks to everyone. And she's really, uh, you know, an icon, and uh, a, a brilliant author, but just an inspiration to so many people. Um, as I said, 80 and, and still yeah. doing it. It's yeah. pretty impressive. And, and she has 2 million Twitter followers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, <laughs> moving, moving. So happy right birthday! Along. Happy birthday, <laughs> happy Margaret! Birthday, yeah. I'll, I'll see her tonight at the Giller. Oh, yeah. will you? All right. Okay, uh, so um, moving right along, there's going to be a new cabinet. Yeah. On Wednesday, what are we looking for, Marissa? So the biggest thing we'll be looking out for is the reappointment of a seniors minister, right? It was only two years ago that they even introduced a minister for seniors. And we know that there's over 6 million seniors in Canada right now. That number is projected to grow to some 11 million by, I don't know, 2036 or something like that. So it's critically important that seniors continue to have a seniors-focused voice in Ottawa to represent them at the cabinet table. So that's going to be one of the biggest things. It's conceivable that it could be eliminated or demoted. So uh, I think it's important that obviously the government continue with this portfolio, just as I say, to ensure that seniors continue to have representation to champion their issues. Do, do you think Tassia will be back again? Um, I don't know. It's possible. I've enjoyed working with, mm-hmm. with Philomena Tassi, um, but it's it's possible and likely that, the, that they'll switch it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering, because what we're hearing is that the cabinet is going to be bigger, <clears throat> that the biggest issue they have to deal with is the fact that they have no, no. representations yeah. in a couple of provinces. And we have the Wexit on the one hand, we have the resurgent of the Bloc Québécois on the other. Uh, and he's faced with an array of conservative premiers. So... Is there a danger that seniors' issues are going to get lost in all of this? I think there is a very big danger because uh, in politics, short-term expedient, uh, put out the fire that's blazing now, uh, you know, tends to rule the rule the uh, the agenda. Yeah. Uh, Alberta's suddenly making noises about uh, how much money they're paying in versus what they're getting out, which sets up a natural rivalry with Quebec. Uh, I think he's got uh, Justin Trudeau has his hands full, and it's easy to easy to package seniors in some sort of a there there dear yeah. tokenistic way. Mm-hmm. Probably not dump the portfolio altogether. Maybe merge it with something else, yeah. and 
make the right noises and really do nothing substantive. Yeah. But that would be very disheartening if they if we did see it merged with something else. Yeah. Right? And I'm not and necessarily would, predicting that, it, but it's possible. But, and it would send a pretty clear message to yeah. seniors, you know, that their issues are not the priority, but would also be consistent with the election cycle we just saw, where many seniors just felt like they were being ignored altogether. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's a, it's, why would sorry? Why why would merging it? I mean, I could see how demoting it to a junior minister would not be a good thing, but would why would merging it with some other issue be so bad? Because seniors' issues would be diluted. So we want it to be fo- the focal. You know, we want someone clearly devoted to this file and to devote their entire attention to it because it's a growing demographic. Yeah, you're saying we can deal with that yeah. part time. You can watch yeah. a few other files as well, and you can you know pat them on the head when they need it and go out and make the, everybody knows what the right speeches are uh it's a question of whether they can take any action and i don't think it's going to be i'm not sure but he's got real urgent other yes. stuff and the seniors is a uh, very easy to uh, make the right noises and look like you're saying yeah. the right things. It's an easy one if right. you don't want to do anything big, which is well, healthcare. What about well? What about the promises that he made, increasing old age security for people over seventy five? Um, what about those? Are you confident that they will make good on their promises? Well, I hope so. I think this, the uh, increasing the survivor benefit, CPP survivor benefit, is more complicated. It's not just a mad, matter of waving a wand and all of a sudden, you know, you'd have to go back to the provinces and get so, but increasing OAS by 10% for people 75 and older would be something a little bit simpler to implement. And I think that, uh, yeah, I would hope that they would make good on it. They made good on most of their promises in the last election. So I don't see why, with the exception of the fact that, you know, now we're dealing with a minority government, they need to get buy-in for some of their proposals. So, so that'll be the biggest challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I agree with them, Marissa. I think those things, if they were costed out at the beginning before they were even put into the port, uh, into the platform, excuse me, uh, you could say, okay, we, we got to do that. We said we would. We already know how much it costs. It doesn't appear to be a deeply ideological or, you know, right wing, left wing kind of a thing. So they probably will do that. Uh, he's going to look to make it as easy as he can and a broken promise on a non essential in his mind. Uh, but irritating if he blows it, uh, why would he? It's easy to fix. Mm-hmm. No, and I think even the conservatives would support it too, right? Like yeah. even during the election, I'm pretty sure Andrew Scheer said that, for example, you know, one of the biggest big topics is the age of eligibility for OAS, and I and I think he even said he wouldn't he wouldn't roll it back. So let me give the numbers out again, and we are taking calls in this segment. I'm here with the Zoomer Squad. We're talking about the new cabinet that's going to be unveiled on Wednesday. We've said happy birthday to Margaret Atwood. And there are a couple of issues that really affect an older demographic that we're going to get into in a moment. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-744-740. If there is anything at the top of your agenda this week, please do call. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be talking to the mayor uh, after we finish our conversation here and something that people just exploded over and not in a bad way was this issue of 
snow removal on sidewalks. It's a patchwork. I, I had thought that in what is called the old city of Toronto, it just didn't happen. You were responsible for your own, but apparently some streets have it. Some streets don't. Uh, the councillors we talked to were pointing their fingers at the mayor saying he is the impediment because it would cost a few bucks. And, and people are, you know, um, you know, on the one hand, if, if you're a senior or you can't afford to do it, you can apply to the city to have it done for you. But, you know, my question is, why have a bureaucracy for this? Well, it's just, as you said, patchwork, one more process, one more bit of paperwork. He gets it. I don't. What's the logic in any way around which streets are getting it without you having to apply? And which streets you do have to apply. So nobody really knows. And it just seems like a hodgepodge. No, and I would be interested to know from the mayor sort of what the logic is. And I can understand why people would be rightly disgruntled with the fact that, you know, the the household, you know, a couple blocks over gets it plowed, but they don't. And maybe they're a senior and they can't plow it themselves or someone with a disability can't plow it themselves or, you know, even a new mother with a baby yeah, who with can't plow it. Well, that's that. That's it. I mean, and the thing is that even if, if there is one person on the street who doesn't, maybe they're even away. Uh, and you can't get by with your stroller, right. Marissa, and somebody who has a little <laughs> bit of a, a, a disability or a sure. full disability sure. can't get through. And somebody who's just, you know, maybe not that steady on their feet. You know, maybe they're doing fine until they slip on that. And I'm sure that that this results in more claims against the city for slip and fall accidents. Sure. I I just don't get the logic of not is that, is that, dealing is with that this. Is that a reason they're not doing it? By the way, that in case they don't do it well, they're liable for. No, uh, I don't. Some... I don't know. I think there there's going to be a pilot project, and one of the issues is the the state of the sidewalks. They're getting new equipment that will deal with the old sidewalks. But I don't know. I mean, and especially given that it's uh, only 18% of sidewalks that are not plowed, I don't know what the rationale is other than that some kind of hangover from amalgamation. You know, uh, I, I live in, in the West End in an old neighborhood, and we don't even get our streets plowed until yeah. <laughs> four or five days after a snowfall. And if if that, so, and I we've never had our sidewalks plowed. So I'm, I'm not sure that you know, um, sidewalk plowing is going to be a priority over street plowing, which really doesn't happen or happens haphazardly downtown. There's, there's this word, I, there's this word and I forgot what it is, but there are issues with street plowing as well. And, and let me give those numbers out again. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-744-740. If you have anything that's at the top of your mind this week, whether it's, uh, getting your sidewalk plowed in addition to the street near you, uh, there's also a new traffic proposal that will cost taxpayers a million bucks. But uh, but uh, I forget, somebody has to remind me the name of this, but, but sometimes when the street plows uh, come by, they then dump a pile of snow at the end of people's driveways that they may have already just shoveled. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. right. That is right. I, my husband goes out, when it snows, I mean, I've seen him out there four or five times in an evening just to clear the driveway yeah. um, because once you pile on top of it, it packs down, causes yeah. ice, right? It's pretty yeah. dangerous for people when they're walking on their driveway. So, so uh, that's, that's, that's good that your husband is out there. I, yeah. I'm lucky that I have a husband that's willing to do those things for me. <laughs> yeah. But now, but now, 
compound that because we were talking about seniors. You're right. It gets packed. It gets high. And if, hey. I mean, if you have a problem clearing snow and you can't afford a private service, which there are many, but if you're relying on the city to do it, it seems like we just don't have a coherent citywide policy but, that's understandable. There's, there's another thing, and I, I remember this from being a young person, is that when, when uh, shoveling season starts, there's a spike often in heart attacks because sure. people yeah. who are not fit go out and, and shovel snow. I mean, I remember when I was 16 or 17, the first person in my parents' circle to die was, he, he went out in Montreal, he went out and shoveled snow and he was 54 or something. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was, you know, horrible. Yeah. Yeah. The, but to your point though, David, you know, there's another issue and it's about fairness. The fact that 18% of, of sidewalks don't get plowed. Why does Bob get his yeah. sidewalk plowed, but Mary doesn't? It doesn't make, it's not fair. Yeah. And, and I have to say, I'm, I'm going to take a call in a second that I saw really what I thought snarky, uh, editorial in the Globe and Mail, obviously by somebody who is probably young and fit and has no issue clearing their own sidewalks. And I know a lot of people clear their neighbors' sidewalks. Mm -hmm as well. But, you know, it's one thing if uh, either like your husband, young and fit or but if but if you aren't, then, you know, that's a problem. It's very serious. Let's hear from Tina in St. Catharines. Hi, Tina. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I want to address the subject of the seniors and the pension and the OAS. Um, I find that uh, we're just not getting enough money. I have a widow's pension, that, that, and I have a friend that is not a widow, and she I only get $100 more than she does, and between all my friends and everything, they get about $1,700 or $1,800 a month for um, pension. But rents down here are over $1,000 for a one-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. And by the time everybody pays their rent, there's nothing left to live on. Right. Are you over 75, Tina? Yes, I'm 73. No, you're under 75 then. Um, well, yeah. still, that would be... Yeah, not over 75 yet. I would like to see them bring that down. And I'd like to see, instead of building all this low-cost housing, that they subsidize directly um, to rental apartments that would save building so many buildings and would get people off better. My friend who pays uh, $1,000 rent, and she gets $1,700 a month, um, by the time you pay your car insurance and you buy a few groceries, you're done for the month. Yeah, you are. Yep, yep, absolutely you're done. And that's about what the average is, and it's most, mostly women. I won't say all women, but it's the large percentage is women. Yep. And we're being forced to live with our kids or live in, live in substandard housing. And... Mm -hmm. We're not. Ju we're just not making it. So That's I think right. instead of building all these new seniors buildings or whatever, which will might happen in five or ten years, what we need now is what they do in Europe: is they subsidize the rental directly. They make you pay thirty percent of your income for the rent, and they subsidize the balance. Um, like say the thirty percent was seven hundred dollars, they would subsidize the three hundred dollars while you were living there, which would be a great improvement. And financially, to me, it makes a lot more sense than waiting to build all these low-income housing. Okay, yeah. Tina, th thank you very much for sharing. I'm, I'm going to uh, let you go and let Marissa respond, but thanks for calling. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I mean, Tina's not alone, right? We do hear a lot of stories of seniors subsisting in poverty because either their retirement pensions aren't enough or even, frankly, they have them slashed, as is the case with Sears. So the government needs to take this very seriously and address it. And this really underscores the need, again, for a seniors minister to address this issue um, and to make sure that there's a uh, just a, you know, when we talk about housing, a seniors focused lens on it. When we talk about retirement security, a seniors focused lens on it, that type of thing. Okay, let's take a call from Cheryl in Toronto. Hi, Cheryl. Hello, Woodrow. That is the word you couldn't remember. Oh, uh, Wood- sorry, say it again. Woodrow. Woodrow, Woodrow. Woodrow. yes, that's, that's it. leave at the bottom of your street. Yep. And we, uh, or your driveway. Woodrow. Yes, that's right. We've been, uh, for years, shoveling the snow for the various seniors on our street. And when I say for years, we're now the seniors. <laughs> and is anybody clearing your snow? No, it's very <laughs> frustrating. But worst part, we're on a dead-end street. And we're in Toronto, so our properties are very narrow. We have parking pads on one side, cars park on the other side of the road. We have no place to put the snow. That's it, yeah. So even if they came and plowed our snow, I don't know what they would do with it. But I would love to see on some of the streets like ours, take the snow away like you used to take away. Make our lives easier. Plow our street, but take our snow away because right now, we don't even have a place to put it. Sometimes you can't get into your driveway. There's too much snow on the street. Yeah. Yep. I mean, uh, so, you know, to be fair, and I am going to be talking to the mayor shortly, it's, it's not just a matter of money. There's practical issues involved. But, you know, you have to wonder, and Cheryl, thanks very much for your call. You're welcome. You have to wonder, you know, we see things, and, and uh, Sue Ann Levy in her column today was talking about some poverty reduction strategies and how there aren't really any metrics applied, how, how successful was this program, and, and this is a matter of millions of dollars. And I'm not saying we shouldn't try to reduce poverty, but we should, you know, have some kind of uh, cost control on it. And here is something where you know, you see a result. It's it's not yes. difficult, and and this is not something that anybody wants to take care of, or it doesn't seem to be a priority for council. No, and it it, it it I come back to the fact it doesn't seem to me, and I'm lifelong resident, born and raised in Toronto. It doesn't seem to me to be a coherent, understandable, <clears throat> well explained. Probably the mayor will welcome the opportunity to explain. He might even agree. Uh, with me that it's not well understood and that might be part of the problem what are they doing why are they doing it what are the variables what goes into making the decision how do they decide uh what success looks like it, none of those factors appear to be very evident yep no i i mean exactly i think these are all questions that the mayor ought to, <laughs> to answer <laughs> we need them on now <laughs> where are you well, he's supposedly no, he's going to be uh, here in a few minutes. We'll see. Uh, the other thing, uh, and this is going before the police services board this week, is, you know, we've all seen an added focus on Vision Zero. Uh, we've had a record number of vulnerable road user fatalities. That means pedestrians, cyclists, 35 so far this year dead. Of course, most of them are older because older people are more likely to die of their injuries. And uh, uh, so the police chief, who 
got rid of a special enforcement unit a few years ago, now wants it back. It's going to cost a million dollars a year. But he said, okay, the numbers uh, show that enforcement is a key piece that's missing, and we really have to enforce and get on these very aggressive, dangerous drivers. Amen. Listen, for sure. I when I dr- I wish there. Um, so it's sort of it's a challenge because if I ever I'm on a highway driving, for example, and I see someone weaving weaving in and out of the lanes, yeah. all I want to do is take a picture of that person's license plate and right. report them. But I can't you because can't I'm not. Yeah. And and so it's it's a challenge. But I think that these people, how else are you going to stop? You know these types of reckless drivers. I suppose with you know criminal sanctions, maybe, but. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you have to make it possible. I've, I've had this conversation with him too, several times, make it possible for people to accomplish things legally. Like there are lots of places where there are legal left turns, but there's no way to turn left unless you end up doing it, mm-hmm. you know, on a yellow, if you're lucky and probably on, on a red. red. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, that, that really has to be changed. Uh, yeah. So and I think they have to look at all behaviors. They may already be. And I think that motorists are the least vulnerable. Obviously, a motorist is going to win a collision with a pedestrian with a bike. But daily, I see life threatening behavior by cyclists. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one. I drive my car, but I see like insane. And I see, um, you know, we can talk about right here in Liberty Village. Uh, most pedestrians, uh, do, do not, not look up, look, look up. They just walk. They don't even, they could be. I've seen pedestrians <laughs> crossing in the middle of the road with their back. I mean, I can see jaywalking if you make eye contact with the car. Yeah. And you're taking your chance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you make eye contact. They see you. You yeah. make sure they see you before you do it. No, people walking into traffic with their back to the oncoming traffic. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. so they get have it. to be they have to be careful but uh, it's the driver's responsibility sure. I see drivers doing crazy things because they're aggravated I mean uh, I had a driver behind me I was going to turn left but I was at an intersection so I wasn't going to advance into the intersection before I was clear he starts honking at me like a maniac and then goes around me and in front of me. Oh my lord. And, and that's, that's not the only time that's happened where they just kind of turn left from the right lane. Or, so, you know, that's an enforcement question. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But speaking of which, I think they should have license plates on bikes and give them the same traffic tickets that, that uh, ship has can. sailed, David. I, <laughs> I, I still think they should because I just see every single day these cyclists are taking their life in their hands. Yeah. They do. I mean, they. The, some I have witnessed personally. I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen Insane. cyclists Insane. swerving in and out of lanes. You got to be careful, though. I mean, you got to be careful either way. Well, what else are we? Uh, do we have on the docket for this week? Well, obviously, there's the the cabinet announcement that's coming on Wednesday, so we'll be looking at that, seeing who you know. It'll be interesting to see whether or not Bill Morneau remains the. I finance. think he'll stay, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, and Carp has a fairly good relationship with, with the mm-hmm. finance minister. He's obviously come to uh, yep. Carp Town Hall. He's yep. been to the Zoomer Plex, so we've enjoyed working with him. And, and finance ministers tend to stay. Flaherty stayed for a long time. Flaherty stayed for a long time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Though not in Ontario. <laughs> no, but in uh, as Harper's. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so I, I, I think Morneau will stay and probably Freeland. Uh, 
Well, there's Freeland. that is the person who has all the speculation about right. her. So uh, the word is that perhaps she's the cabinet star. And since the, the biggest pressing issue is the West, and she's originally from the West, that they would put her in something that sounds very unsexy, like intergovernment relations, but right. is going to be very important in this and particular does, minority cabinet. And does McKenna get uh, no, she, I, shown the door? Yeah, for, I, I uh, think she'll be gone, yeah. yeah. Why? Loyal soldier, good job, but caught between economic growth and uh, no pipelines right. and climate change, and there's a lot of speculation she's going to be... Uh, Moved to just I, she's a lawyer. Well, she's she's, she's a, a lawyer, so she maybe justice or maybe yeah. even foreign affairs. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, she's also uh, taken a lot of abuse, right. like no, terrible yeah, abuse. Right. Yeah, and and perhaps if she was in a different, yeah. less that's controversial, what I mean. Yeah, she was she was she's paid a big price, and she's been a good scout. And uh, okay, that is. All the time we have for this segment. Thank you so much, Marissa Lennox, David Kravitz, and Peter Muggridge. And we'll see you here next week. Thank Thanks, you. Libby. Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.